keep moving on the track of parables, and I got blessed with a great parable. And this is a story that uh, if you've been around church, you've read scripture, you've probably heard this parable. And so I'm gonna read it for you. But your notes, if you want sermon notes, they're in the YouVersion Bible app. Go to events, look for Church Project, click on that. If you wanna use, if you wanna go analog and use old school Bible, you can do that. We're reading out of Matthew chapter 13, verses three through 23. And I'll give you just a second to find that. Again, that's Matthew 13, 3 through 23. There's, uh, so it's 20 verses. It's a good story. You'll recognize it. You'll see the foreshadowing. So it says this. This is Jesus. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds, and they came, and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because of the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns. They grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I will heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen to then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the, sow, the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. 
This is the one that produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Matthew 13, 3 through 23. The reason I love this parable is because Jesus explains it and we can all go to the arts picnic. <laughs> I don't know if I can out-preach Jesus and I'm not even gonna try. But there are some good things in this parable um, that are really important to remember. I am not a farmer. I'm not, I don't even pretend to be a farmer like Laura does. I don't know hardly anything about farming. But I do know that there are constants and there are variables. So in this story, sorry, in this story there are constants. <clears throat> the farmer is a constant and he's a good farmer. He's looking for a good crop. The seed is a constant. It's good seed. We know this, number one, because he's a good farmer. He wouldn't sow seed that he thought was not good seed. And he expects a good result. And secondly, we know it's good seed because the same seed is used throughout the entire story. He sows the same seed, and it's just a matter of where it lands. There are variables in this story. The soil, the birds, the thorns, the sun. And I presume that if you asked a farmer how much control they have over a good crop and a poor crop, they would say they don't have a whole lot of control over many of the variables. I think the key, the science to good farming, Jack, Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, is controlling the variables. How do you mitigate the variables to produce the best crop that you can produce? For example, I remember a few years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a farmer, and it was about this time of year, and every afternoon it started raining pretty good. For a couple weeks, 10 days or 14 days, every afternoon it would rain pretty decently uh, in the afternoon. And I said to him, I said, I bet you're appreciating all this rain for your crops. And he says, no, I hate the rain because I irrigate my crops and I can control how much water they receive. When it rains, it adds a wrinkle into it and it makes it, more, it makes it harder for me to control how much water they get. So he's unable to kind of mitigate the variable of how much water the crop gets. So in the story, as in life, there are constants and there are variables. In our own lives, there are constants that we deal with. Like that there's just things that that's just the way that they are. But there are a lot of variables that we can have some influence on, that we can help mitigate. And so this story is a great story about constants and variables. Um, <clears throat> some of the happiest people, most content people that I know are people who worry less about the things that they can't control and worry more about the things that they can control. Does that make sense? I think oftentimes I find myself trying to change things that are completely out of my control. The things that I have no control over, I spend the majority of my time focusing on and ignoring the things that I do have some control over. So in this story, there's one word that I kinda wanna just pluck out 
and I want to talk about. And let's just kind of evaluate it and explore what it means. So in the story of the sower and the seeds, it's, Jesus does a phenomenal job of explaining how the story works, what each part of the story means. But he does say this one word. He says secrets in this story. As he starts to explain um, this parable, he says this word secrets. And that word kind of stuck out to me because secrets don't make friends. No, this is a different kind of secret, but secrets, I think, is one of those things where it's like, how, what does this mean in the context of this story? <clears throat> one year on my birthday, I um, had talked to my wife. She said, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I said, I just want to go out on a date with you, and I want to go to the crest and I am a sucker for documentaries, and I actually like watching documentaries at the movie theater on a big screen. And there was a documentary playing, and I said, I wanna go to the Crest, out to dinner, watch a movie with you. <laughs> um, and so we had this, in my mind, I had this all planned out. It was very clear what we were gonna do. I was locked in, ready to go. And our kids were pretty young at that time, so going on a date and having just time to ourselves was a pretty hot commodity. So I got dressed up and uh, was looking good for my lady friend, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and anybody else that happened to notice, that was just a bonus for them. But <clears throat> so Trina went to drop the kids off. Um, to my niece who was gonna watch him. And my niece uh, was at Zoe's coffee shop just a few blocks from here. And so she drove over there to drop off the kids and um, she called me about 10 minutes after she left. <clears throat> I'm still mad. Um, and she told me that when she dropped the kids off, she locked the keys in her car. And I um, kept it together on the phone with her because I thought there was a chance later on that we might be making out, so I didn't want to blow that, but <laughs> in my heart, I was pretty mad. <laughs> I'm just being honest here. Can, I, can a guy be honest? So... <clears throat> I'm fuming mad at this point, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, th we, this is a once in a blue moon kind of thing, and this happens of all nights, this happened. She had never locked her keys in her car ever that I know of, and it happens to be this night. So I'm looking at the clock, and I'm thinking, we're not making it to this movie. I mean, it's like, we might as well just call it a night. So she says, will you just bring my spare key down to Zoe's and then we'll go to the movie theater or whatever. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> On the way to the car, I'm in the car. <laughs> you know, and I get there and she said, I'm inside, just come inside. And, and uh, so I walk inside and as soon as I walk inside, surprise, 
it's a huge surprise party for me with, I don't know, 50 of my friends and there was food and everything. And I had no idea, but a secret had been revealed to me and the whole demeanor of my heart, my life, everything about that night totally changed. I went from being seriously mad to shocked to just overwhelmed with gratitude because that secret had been revealed to me. I'm sure you all have had secrets revealed to you that have changed your life, that have had a, made a difference in your life. Once a secret like that is revealed to you, it's no longer a secret, it becomes a revelation. And some of those secrets, as they're revealed to you, end up changing who you are at your core. So the disciples, in, this, in these verses, it says, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you and not to them. The truth of God is a secret until that secret is revealed, until your eyes are open, your ears are open, and the secrets of the kingdom are revealed through a relationship with Christ. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, it says this, all things have been committed to me by my Father. This is Jesus speaking. It says, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The only way that these secrets are being revealed to us is through the Son. God is the God of mystery, but he's also a God who's a revealer. It says in Daniel chapter two, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were, we, were able to reveal this mystery. God is a revealer. I wanna know the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom. It says in Colossians, the mystery has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now it is disclosed to the Lord's people. To, the, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To this end, I will strenuously contend with all the energy of Christ so powerfully works in me. The glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you. One thing about the kingdom and the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom, they're revealed over time. I don't know if you've, I watched The Matrix with my son a couple months ago, and I don't know if you remember that one part in The Matrix where Neo is kind of just being introduced to what the matrix is and he sits into that weird chair thing and they plug a thing into the back of his head and, and he sits there and he's twitching for a little while and he gets up and he says, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> I think we would all wish that we could just, all of a sudden, you make a decision to follow Christ and it's just uploaded into your brain. All these mysteries are revealed 
everything's answered, all the questions that you've ever had, all of a sudden you know what you need to know. But the fact is, mysteries are revealed, I believe, systematically over the course of time as you grow in your relationship with Christ, more and more mysteries are revealed to you. A deeper understanding is revealed to you over time. Maybe you remember this, I don't remember this, but you learn to read, I'm presuming that we all learn to read at some point in our life. When you learn to read, there's a system, there's kind of a protocol that you go through in order to kind of understand. I'm not a teacher, but you learn your letters first as a kid, and then you learn what sounds those letters make, and then you learn how those sounds work together and then you learn how these words make these sounds, and then you begin putting words into sentences, and you start understanding what the words on the pages looks like. It's very systematic, and it's built. One thing leads to the next, which prepares you for the next step, which then leads you to the next step, then prepares you for the next step, and so you systematically learn over the course mysteries, secrets, of how to read are revealed to you systematically, step by step. There are stages to understanding. And here's the thing that I get most excited about when I think about the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom. We have an opportunity as followers of Christ to be part of the divine story. You have an opportunity to receive these revelations, to understand these mysteries, and then it's not like a secret group where we keep all the mysteries inside. We get to share those mysteries with those that are around us through loving them, through caring for them, through supporting them, through answering people's questions. We're all in this together, and we all are after understanding more and more and more. And I think that's, just as a side note, that's why house church is so valuable. To be part of a group of people that are on, all on different um, stages of the same pathway, and they're all moving in the same direction, but they may, some may be further down the path than others, and those that are further down can share some of those mysteries and reveal some of those mysteries to those are, who are just learning and just asking questions. That's a side note. <clears throat> the process, in the process of your relationship, with, sorry, in, your, in the process of your relationship with God, more and more secrets are revealed to you, and as you pursue God, these secrets are revealed through God's spirit, through scripture, through prayer, through creation, and through others. <clears throat> we've been talking about this theologian, Dwight Pentecost. Um, we've referenced him throughout the parables. He has written a lot about the parables. And he says this when he talks about the sower and the seed. He says, we see in this parable that the sower is good and the seed is good and the field gives prospect for a fruitful harvest. However, we note that there are varying responses to the same sowing by the same sower. The response does not depend on the sower or on the seed, 
but on the soil, that is, on the hearer. So, good farmer, good seed, that variable is the soil, though. How is the soil that the seed lands on? One hour a week in this building or any other church in Greeley's not going to cut it. You're not going to grow in your relationship the way that you need to grow in your relationship in one hour a week. It's just not a, enough of an investment. It's good. I'm glad you're here. It's helpful. But this is not the end game. It's going to be hard to fight off the birds, keep the thorns at bay, get shade from the sun if you're only spending one hour a week building a relationship. The things that you're doing in secret have a direct impact on how the secrets of God are revealed to you. There's a coach named John Wooden. You probably maybe have heard of him. <clears throat> probably, maybe. Um, he says this, the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. Jesus and Johnny Cash say, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. <clears throat> and this is, I'm not talking about necessarily about secret sins or anything like that. What I'm talking about is what's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Do you think about your relationship with God? Do you pray? What's the last thing that you do when you go to bed at night? When you have free time or when you know that you should be growing in a relationship or you have time to read scripture, are you choosing to watch The Office, which I do sometimes, or read scripture? What are the things that you're doing to invest in that relationship with God? None of us, I don't think any of us in this room would say to our best friend, I'm just gonna ignore you for a couple years and then in a couple years I'll come back and everything will be like it was. It's just not gonna happen. You have to invest in those relationships in, for, in order for those relationships to flourish and the same is true about God. You have to invest in that relationship for that relationship to flourish. So my question for you and for me is how are you preparing the soil to receive the seed? Are you doing the things that you need to do in secret so that the secrets of the kingdom will be revealed to you? Let's take just a minute for reflection. And I wanna read, <clears throat> ask you some questions that you can think about for just a couple minutes and then I'll read, I'll close up reading uh, from Ephesians. So if you just mind, if you wouldn't mind just clo closing your eyes and just think about these questions as I ask them. How is your secret life? Are there things in your secret life that you could change to make your soil of your heart more receptive to the secrets of the kingdom? What specifically 
are you doing to prepare the soil of your heart for growth in your relationship with God? What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? What's the last thing you do before you go to, be- go to bed? How do you bookend your day? What are the constants in your life that you may not have any control over? And are there any constants that you could add to your life that would make the soil of your heart more receptive to the secrets of the kingdom. What are the variables in your life? Is there anything that you can do to control these variables? Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 18 says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope for which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession.